Hi, my name is Marcia Chatlin. I'm a professor of history at Georgetown University, but more importantly, I'm the host of Office Hours, a podcast. This is an opportunity to get a window into my world where I talk to students about the things that are most important to them. So please join us for Office Hours for the things we don't talk about in class. Yeah. Do you watch television? I do um, a bit. Like I'm starting to again because I actually like. So here's what happened in college. I pretty much moved, you know, on campus, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a television. And... I didn't have a TV in college either. Yeah, and <laughs> so then... I went to my friend's house and watched cable at their houses all the time. For yeah. me, honestly, I feel like TV made me smart because. Yes. I think that, like, as a, you know, like, growing up in a working class household, we had, we had, we had a lot of advantages because my mom tried, but there were a lot of experiences, like, we just didn't have. Like, like, you know, when people talk about going to the theater, it's something I didn't do until I was, like, an adult, or, like, even, I guess... We didn't really go to museums regularly. Like, yeah. you know, being in D.C., the Smithsonian, you know, people bring their kids every... Like, we did do kind of cultural things unless it was school-related. Because um, my mom was working, or I, I don't know if it would occur for her to do that. But the rule in my house was you can want whatever you want, whenever you want. Which is, like, yes. the worst rule. Yeah. But what it did, it just made me really sophisticated. Because I would, I would watch, like... I could watch any news program I wanted, which is, like, not smart because it makes you kid weird. Um, I was in Catholic school, and we had our first confessions, and I raised my hand when the teacher was explaining it, and I'm like, I saw this thing on 2020 where someone confessed a murder to a priest. And so the priest made the decision to, like, break. I mean, I'm just like, what kid is this? Like, Can I trust you? Yeah, it's like second grade. Like, why do I know the story, it's right? second grade. I love you. So oh I'm, like, God. a disaster, but... I think what it the best is out. I think what television <laughs> allowed me to do was to gain a little bit of a cultural capital that I wasn't getting totally. through my whole life. And that's why I'm kind of pro television. And when I think about like my family, my extended family now, and I think about my mom and like, you know, most of the adults of that generation didn't go to college. But they watch so much educational TV that they are, like, the most brilliant people because TV is this way that they, like, know things. And yes. it's amazing. And so sometimes, I think with academics, sometimes there's this weird thing Ugh. about, like, academics going on television. Yeah. And I've been on TV to talk about social issues. And I think it is great because I think it gives people a window into, like, what we do at institutions. And I love it. I I agree. And... Like, while I was more of, like, a cinephile, I mm-hmm. would say that television, in some ways, like, taught me how to behave as a person. Because, like, social <laughs> cues sometimes are things that I haven't necessarily gotten. Mm-hmm. I will fully cop to that. <laughs> and, like, my parents... My dad was a foreign service officer, so we mm-hmm. moved to the States. And, like... Yeah, it's like, how are you supposed to know what, like sh- what's going on? So, so, I actually, before we moved back... One of the only TV shows we got in Kuwait was the Martha Stewart show. And I was so excited to move oh back gosh. to the United States because I thought that every woman was going to be like Martha Stewart. And like make those like fresh reads. Oh my God. I loved watching Martha Stewart when I was a little girl. Obsessed. I was like, why can't this be me? Yes. Because she's so aspirational and to me like what and so ruthlessly competent. Oh my gosh. And everything's so neat. And beautiful. And, and like I, she used to have those. So for the youngins in the audience 
before I don't know is Martha Stewart still famous? Like she does like she was she, she does like tongue in cheek things like she does like the MTV Music Awards and she'll do like the Justin Bieber roast. But back in my day when Martha Stewart was like up and coming, she would do these PBS specials. Yes, and it'd be like Christmas at Martha Stewart, and she would teach you these techniques like putting fresh herbs under the skin of a turkey in a pattern so that when the turkey was cooked it looked like something that was too good for you to even look at let alone eat she'd make these wreaths and then she kind of exploded but i remember like i would watch anything as long as on tv reruns of saint elsewhere google it kids you may not know it it is an old television show before gray's was gray's there was a scene elsewhere i would watch like pbs documentaries on ice cream antiques roadshow <laughs> antiques roadshow i was an adult when that show came out. <laughs> yes. but i would love you know i would just i loved the immersive possibilities of television yeah and so you know so it is it's just exciting to talk about it. I don't have time for television like I used to, yeah. and it makes me a little sad. Same. But when my DVR is full, I feel like my heart is full. Absolutely. <laughs> Today on the podcast, I talked to senior Adriana Caballero about the entertainment industry and about big Hollywood dreams. Hi, Adriana. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining me. How was your winter break? It was very relaxed um, and included a lot of how to get away with murder. So also not very relaxed. (laughs) Okay. How do we feel about that show? I love it. So I gravitate towards comedy. So I like never watch drama. The only drama I watch is Empire. And that's because it's a soap opera. And I love that. Um, so I started, I got into the whole Shonda Rhimes obsession and I watched How to Get Away with Murder and I'm just hooked and I'm really excited that tomorrow is the season premiere. It's exciting. So I have mixed feelings about it because as a professor, I'm like, this lady is (laughs) not a good example and she has bad boundaries and she manipulates her students and that must be nice because getting students to do anything is hard, let alone cover up homicide. (laughs) But on the other hand, it's such a complicated portrayal of a woman of color on television because she's bad. She's kind of (laughs) evil and she's kind of vulnerable. And she has this orbit around her of a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multiracial group of students. And so that's the only part of her life I can relate to. But it's a different thing to see on television. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is like for that kind of show to be so popular right now? Um, are you referring to just its, like, criminal nature no, or the diverse I mean the diversity cast? on the cast. <laughs> um, I think it's great that it's um, so diverse. And I think the thing with diversity and, and casting is that it's, it's awful to call it a trend because diversity shouldn't be a trend. It should just be, like, a natural accepted part of life. But the thing with diverse casting in TV now, it's usually the cast of diversity are just all of one race or ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So, like, Blackish and Empire, everyone's black, minus, like, maybe a couple people. Fresh Off the Boat, everyone's Asian. Jane the Virgin, almost everyone's Hispanic. So I think shows like How to Get Away with Murder and um, Greys mm-hmm. are good because they have a variety of people and, and they're more reflective of society at large. So I think it's great to see 
different groups of people represented all at once where it's not just like one group mm -hmm. because I think it's helpful to see different people from different walks of life blend together. Like I know the, I think it was um, Ty Burrell, who's the one of the main actors on Modern Family, said how he thought that um, in making Cam and Mitch Mm -hmm. like a, a gay couple that doesn't really talk about their sexuality that in a way that normalized it for mm -hmm. audiences like to see that no matter what your sexual orientation is like families are families mm -hmm. um, so not that like diversity has to be normalized but I think for an average audience member to just see no one freaking out about like someone being different mm -hmm. quote unquote um, I think that's much more effective in the big picture well the reason I wanted to talk about um these issues is because we have a common passion, which is television. Mm -hmm. I love television, and you love television. Yes. And I know that you are interested in a career in this industry that really does grapple with representation, grapples with being honest, but still entertaining, and those different boundaries. So if I were to ask you what your favorite TV show was oh, when you were a kid, or what, oh, as a ki oh, what wow. shows made you love television so much? Hmm. Um, well, I've always loved TV. I know that I, I think that people tend to respect film, film more, especially as an art form, because it is much more visual than TV. But I've always just draw, like been drawn to it. Maybe it's because of my short attention span that I can't like <laughs> sit down for an hour and a half to two hours. Um, but I grew up watching like like Nick at Night and like TV Land mm -hmm. a lot. Like so I would I wasn't one of those kids who had like a set time on TV. It wasn't like one I episode and me too. No. I could watch all the TV I wanted my as long family, as I did yeah, my homework. Exactly. So I would like get home and then watch Lisa McGuire and That's So Raven and even Steven's like the glory days of Disney. <laughs> and I would watch all that and eat it all up. Um and then at night I would watch like I Love Lucy and Three's Company and Leave it to Beaver, like all these reruns. And then every Saturday morning, my aunt and I would watch The Nanny and Golden Girls and like whatever else was on. So I grew up watching like like old school sitcoms, mm -hmm. which is probably why that's kind of like the stuff I watch now, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or I mean, just a lot of comedies are in that like a lot of modern comedies are in that old format. So I think it was just, I don't know, those shows that are so old but like so great the num some of those shows are like from my day but anyway we want to talk about how old these shows are but one of old in terms of like classic. creating the sitcom like, right. uh, like show like Brady Bunch or shows mm -hmm. that like pioneered mm -hmm. um, definitely not old in terms of like, and so time. a lot of those shows are mostly white people mm -hmm. living in a world that really lacks diversity did you ever kind of think like who are these people? I know that you grew up in South Florida. Um, you probably grew up in a very multicultural world mm -hmm. being in there. And so when you watched television as a kid, what did you? Th where did you think all these people lived? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I mean, a lot of those shows, they don't even, like, specify a specific mm -hmm. city. Like, um, I believe I Love Lucy is New York. Yes. Um, and I feel like... Personally, growing up, I was like, New York is the biggest city, and that's it. And then there's just, like, America. Um, so I don't – I mean, honestly, I probably assumed it was, like, middle America. I mean, mm -hmm. I really don't 
I mean, certain shows were clearly set in the South or in California, but, um, like, Golden Girls was set in Florida. Mm-hmm. And The Nanny was in New York. Um, and shows like, um, I don't know, Andy Griffith show, like, certain mm-hmm. shows I knew where they were, where mm-hmm. they were from. But um, they certainly didn't reflect, I mean, of course, they were made in a different time than what I was growing up in, but they didn't reflect what I saw around me. Because mm-hmm. where I'm from, most people are Hispanic um, and are bilingual. Mm-hmm. So watching those shows, I didn't see that, um, which is funny because when I came to Georgetown, I just like had this very naive assumption that everyone spoke Spanish, too. That's oh, like yeah? what I was used to. that's South Florida, yeah. Yeah. So that's funny. I didn't see the world I was familiar with mm-hmm. while watching it, but it also wasn't something that was like very much brought to my attention. Mm-hmm. When do you think you started to notice? Um, I'd say in recent years, mm-hmm. especially with um, it's kind of one of those things that I think I, I personally at least noticed in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Like when I started. Uh, maybe a year ago is when I really started reading all of the trades, so all of these publications that write about and focus on Hollywood, so like Hollywood Reporter, Variety, and all that. And I think when I started reading that and seeing actual like case studies that mm-hmm. they did and percentages that they had and like charts, I think that's when I realized like, oh, <laughs> nobody's like gay or like <laughs> nobody's black or like. Hispanic. I mean, I think with the Hispanic thing, that's something I noticed mm-hmm. because I was more mm-hmm. hy- like I was hyper aware of it. But I mean, Hispanics are if you watch TV um, and nothing else, you would think Hispanics are either Mexican or Puerto Rican mm-hmm. and maybe Colombian. That would be like a wild card. So I think that's something that I personally noticed. And then when I started looking at everything else and then to look at the types of roles, that's like even exactly <laughs> more disappointing. Exactly. What are some of the shows now that you're watching that you think are telling a good story? Uh, well, Jane the Virgin is my absolute favorite show. People love that show. I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. So the woman, who's the lead character? What's her name? Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez apparently went to my high school. Mm-hmm. And I read this article about her, and I had no idea just how big that show had gotten because it was on, what, the CW or one of those networks? CW, yeah. And so, but the thing that she did with Eva Longoria... Oh, where she's the there t- yeah, she calls Amazing. her, you know, thank you, Charo. So <laughs> funny and so political all at the same time. Yeah. And I love those moments where people are, you know, they're pushing kind of all of the limits in this this moment. They have power. Um, tell me why you like Jane the Virgin so much. Um, well, I mean, I'm from I mean, the show is set in Miami and it's about this. Um, it's not just about this. It's a soap opera. So it's. Way too complicated to try to mm-hmm. summarize quickly. But um, it's just about this girl who lives in Miami and with her mom and her grandma. Um, and she's from a Hispanic family. The family is Venezuelan on the show just because it's based off the book of I the see. same name. And mm-hmm. that family is Venezuelan. But actually all the women on that show are Puerto Rican. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so, I don't know, I just related to that because I'm also, like, I was born in Miami, and I grew growing up, I lived with my mom, my aunt, and my grandma. Mm-hmm. So, I just saw a lot of similarities in that, and that mm-hmm. wasn't something I had seen represented before, and they um, speak Spanish on the show, too, and they'll put, like, subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the storytelling is just, like, amazing. It's so elaborate and just so... It's great. Like, it's really, it's really good. And I also love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. 
I haven't seen that show. And that so has good. a multiracial cast too, right? Uh, yes. The boyfriend, not as much. The boyfriend's Filipino? Her love interest. He's not her, her boyfriend love interest. yet. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. Um, that's a really good show. And that one, it's um, not as much in terms of diversity, but in terms of, like, gender. Mm-hmm. I think it's doing a lot um, because, the, I mean, the show is called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is, like, a terrible... Stereotype of yes. women. Um, and actually, when that show came out, I, like, found myself, like, I had an aversion to it because I was like, oh, I don't want to watch a show that is mm-hmm. literally, like, perpetuating this awful thing. Um, but the creator of the show spoke about it, um, and her explanation is what made me want to watch it because she was saying how, like, the show is very much, like, tongue-in-cheek and self-deprecating, and it's supposed to, like, put out these stereotypes and mock them and analyze mm-hmm. them. And um, the show is, like, about this woman who is a lawyer in New York, and she's very unhappy and she has, like, anxiety and depression, and she's on all this medication, and she sees this guy, the the Filipino guy, mm-hmm. um, randomly on the street, and he was, like, her boyfriend in, like, summer camp in middle school or something. Got it. And he's like, oh, I'm going back home to West Covina, California. And then um, she just, like, has this weird moment, like, this sort of epiphany, um, and she quits her job, and she packs everything, goes to West mm-hmm. Covina, like, chasing this guy she hadn't seen in years. Um, and the show is about, like, the friendship she makes while she's there and, like, trying to go after this guy who has a girlfriend and who, like, they're not, um, like, they haven't seen each other in years. And she just went across the country to follow him. Um, so you would think that, you know, this is the type of person that would have that, like, crazy stereotype mm-hmm. and the fact that she's a woman would just pile on. But it's really good. And it's a musical, too. It's like a... That's very creative. It's very interesting, yeah. So when you made the decision I think it's interesting that you have such a strong interest in television because there's something you know Georgetown is not an arts school Georgetown is often a place that I think in some ways you know this is a very intellectual environment and I think some people believe television is at odds with the kind of deep thinking that we do at a university I think television fits right in but (laughs) no one asked me so what is it like to be at a school like this and have the interests you have in the entertainment industry? Um, It's definitely, I mean, Georgetown is obviously an incredible school, and it has wonderful resources, and and the people are amazing, but it's definitely tailored towards that kind of, like, global economy, if that's Mm -hmm. what you'll call it. So if you want to do finance or if you want to go into law or government or something that has like a set path and that ha- that's going to make you a lot of money or that, you know, um, that's that's the kind of career that Georgetown really pushes for and, like, facilitates with, um, like, with um, recruiting and resources. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, if you want to go into consulting, then, like, you're set. But if you want to do something more creative or just in, in a broader scope, the humanities or social science mm-hmm. or something... Um, it's all on you. Mm. So I think that depends on the kind of um, person you are and, like, what your interests are. So if you're willing to do all the research yourself and actively find alums yourself and, like, take it upon yourself to look for an internship or or a job or whatever it is that your industry prefers, um, then I think it's fine because I've found that when I reach out to alums... Um, who went to Georgetown and work in the industry, even though they're mostly on the business side, 
um, everyone is really, really helpful and Great. kind and like willing to help, especially because they know that it's not exactly known for its mm-hmm. um, TV or, or film or anything. So what are some of the industry experiences you've had so far? So I interned twice at CBS this morning, mm-hmm. uh, this last summer, so the summer before my senior year in New York, and then this past fall I continued that, but in the D.C. Bureau. And so, so that's my production experience. So what's it like doing TV news? It's, like, really, it's really, really interesting. Um, have you ever seen the movie Morning Glory? I don't think so. Rachel McAdams one? Mm-mm. It's cute. It's, um, it came out, like, oh, I don't know, five years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, five or six. Um, it, would, it kind of, like, describes it pretty well, or shows it pretty well. It's really interesting, and it's, I mean, I, after doing it, I decided I didn't necessarily want to pursue news, because I mm-hmm. realized that I love TV and production and the pace of it and just the whole process of putting, like, a, a segment together. But I just realized I wanted to do original content. But I think it's a great experience for anyone, really, because, I mean, in news, stuff changes all the time. Mm-hmm. And you can't ever mess up because you're dealing with facts and there are millions of people watching. And the pace is, like, really, really quick. And there's just so much that goes into the the selection process and the, the development process of everything. I mean, I think the the most helpful thing for me was being in the studio every day and, like, being having a headset on into the mm-hmm. control room and just hearing the executive producers like comment on everything like if you have a guest on the show and they go over by 10 seconds and like immediately you have to figure out like what's the clip you're going to cut next or like when do you go into commercial or when it, there's just so many things that go into it last minute and then when there's breaking news like you have to compile research immediately or you have to, like, type in the script onto the prompter, like, as quickly as you can as it, the information comes in. So there's just, I think it's great experience, great general experience for learning how to, like, work quickly and be accurate. So when I am at home on a Thursday night and everyone's over Shondaland and it's all about <laughs> what's your production company going to be named? Oh, my God. I don't know. I have to think of that one. Let's call maybe like Hoya TV. Yes. And I'm watching a show that you have produced and written. What am I going to be watching? That is a great question, actually. I really, I mean, I think I definitely want to pursue comedy and do like a, a single camera situation. I don't know if I'd go into dramedy. Mm-hmm. So maybe. I think that's interesting to explore. I just, I think that whatever I do is going to be very much focused on, not focused on, but very much conscious of and aware of um, gender and race, because Mm -hmm. I think that that's certainly some, those are things that need to be represented, not just once and like that's it, but just consistently. Um, And just to create complex characters. Like I I know, I I know what you mean with... um, Viola Davis's character because it's like really tough to see someone and be like, why aren't you like why are you so troubled or why mm-hmm. do why do you have like so many flaws? Um, but I mean it's I do get the argument that like you want to create a rich complex mm-hmm. character because if you make someone one dimensional then like you know that's not fair either. Um, so I yeah I definitely would want a variety of things. I don't know I've always thought of maybe doing like a, a semi autobiographical thing. 
about a girl from Miami. Yes. Like, like a crazy Cuban family. Like crazy maybe. Cuban family. Like a teenager yeah. or a young adult. I don't know. I'm I'm really not sure. Like I had this idea the other day of like what if like this girl moved out somewhere and then like her family followed her and moved in next to her. I love that. Like that would be insane. Kind of like everybody loves Raymond, mm-hmm. but Cubans would seem mm-hmm. like more absurd. I love that idea. I just feel like it's something that I would want to. I'm like, working on it. I'm trying to, like, like flush it out. Like, a girl graduates from an elite school, gets a job in New York, and mm-hmm. then her, her whole family just right decides to, like, yeah. right next door. Yeah. I was thinking of that because um, that like my grandma my family always would do. jokes that she's like, <laughs> you don't want to rent a little apartment and I'll cook for you and do your laundry? So, yeah. And so as you have your eye toward graduation and wrapping up this experience at Georgetown, what are some of the things that you learned here that you think you're going to use or draw from when you go to Hollywood? Hmm. Like, um, lessons? Lessons, experiences. Um, I think, well, I think one thing Georgetown is definitely good at teaching people is, um, how to juggle a million things at Mm -hmm. once. I think that's a really good skill, especially in an industry like TV or film or people always have a million things going on at once in different projects um so i think that's that's great um definitely like self-sufficiency and and um independence i think the school's really good at creating that um and just in terms of like a world <laughs> i don't know maybe like a world view or a general approach i mean i think having and i i'm only speaking to this as someone in the college but i think having a liberal arts education is really helpful because it makes you like open up your eyes and see things from different perspectives and not necessarily just learn like one skill set or, or one approach to things. Um, so I just think that's good and just like knowing how to analyze things and um, express yourself I think are two skills as an English major <laughs> that are helpful. You said, uh, you've told me before that you're interested in comedy. Who's really funny? Oh, my God, that's, like, a really tough question. Um, I think, I mean, I think Georgetown has incredible alums in comedy, like Nick Kroll and John Mulaney and Jim Gaffigan. I didn't know Jim Kroll went here. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, well, Kroll and Mulaney are coming Tuesday. Oh, really? Mulaney actually went to my high school as well. Oh, really? Yeah, he's very funny. He's he's incredible, and Jim Gaffigan and Mike Birbiglia, I think, are hilarious. Oh, Mike Birbiglia went here? Mm-hmm. He's very funny. He is so, so funny. I like his style of comedy. Yeah, it's great. And then just, like, Mindy Kaling and Tina Fey are mm-hmm. unbelievable. And those are two people who I admire from, like, a writing standpoint and a comedy standpoint, but more so just, like, a general, like, entrepreneurial. Because they, like, mm-hmm. do everything, and they're amazing at it, and they show that it's possible for a woman to, like create a show and write it and star in it and like have a company and write books and like Mm -hmm. I think they're awesome just to look at as role models too all right the last question I have for you is a question I've asked everyone on the podcast Mm -hmm. if there was one thing you wish all your professors could understand or know about you (laughs) that you never had a chance to express or never came up what would it be oh my gosh like know about me just as a person or anything that you wish that you're like you could just say the whole point of this podcast is about the things we don't talk about in class things you don't talk about hmm. I think 
just as the first thing that comes to mind, um, and this might just be as a, a general thing as well, um, but I think it would be helpful if professors knew like how much we have on our plates. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, college in, in general is really stressful and people throw a lot of things at you and it's also like a transitional phase where you learn so much about yourself and the world and all that. Um, but I especially think at Georgetown, like people like live off of stress mm-hmm. and it's awful. And I think that a lot of times people will be anxious or be really sad about something or have something going on personally. And I think that if professors were a little more aware of that, then maybe they would understand where we were coming from. I mean, I've never personally had an issue with a professor, like, Mm -hmm. you know. um, But I just think that people in general need to, like, understand that we're all going through stuff. Well, I'm glad that I have been part of what you went through here at Georgetown in terms of your academic life. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for visiting Office Hours. Office Hours, a podcast, is a production of Dr. Marcia Chatlin and Alex Tyson. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and only the speakers. Join us on social media, on Twitter at Office Hours Pod, and on Instagram on Office Hours Podcast.